Hey everybody, it's Talking Jake here, and I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss, The Deal. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, executives, Maria Sharapova, Strahan, Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into those worlds of sports, media, and entertainment. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. And welcome back to Talking Knicks. How's everybody doing? We'll do a little Knicks catch up. They have advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals. No, no, there's still so much out of the playoffs. But there's been some Knicks gossip. You see a Chris Paul rumor every now and then. Fred Van Vliet, the future, question mark. RJ Barrett gets snubbed from the all-rookie team. We'll talk about that a little bit. Maybe some other basketball stuff as we catch up on this episode of Talking Knicks, so let's do it. Let's talk Knicks. Welcome back to Who Wants Milk on this episode of Talking Knicks. I am Jake Stromboli, joined by Tom Piccolo, Kenny Poon, Greg Poon, and the big baby david himself we got a full house tonight boys i love it uh let's kick it around the horn tommy i got you under me right now and in the box that's under me right now how you doing brother it's great to be here um i'm doing pretty well i i'm coming off a a week of vacation did not work the last week wow yeah just took it off went and visited my parents down in delaware um it was good to see them. Uh, they, they recently moved into a house down there, so it was my first time heading down that way. We, we had a great time. Did, a, did all the stuff I always do with my parents. We played tennis. I played 18 holes of golf with my dad. That was pretty fun. I hadn't mm. played golf this year. Um, had so to that was shoot a good em. time. Um, I, you know, it was very up and down, but I, I did uh, have three pars. I had a tap-in par on a, on a par four. I was like centimeters away from a, a birdie i could probably count the number of birdies i've scored in my life on like one hand so you know i, I had some good holes that's what keeps you coming back um but yeah heading back to work tomorrow so you know i guess this is how i'm gonna end my vacation talking about the knicks all right enough so of that sorry. snooze fest greg how are you i'm doing all right i just had a, had a leisurely weekend just watching football as you know, it's back to football season, so that's all you have to do on the weekends. Watch the Yankees as well. They did well the first two days I watched, and then less slow, as you know, today. Yanks are doing well. That's been good. That's been good. Ken Poon, you've been watching hoops? You've been watching foosball? Uh, I don't watch a lot of football anymore, uh, if I'm being honest with you, for the same reason that Greg watches it. Like, I have, like, it's just so much time. You know, it's the entire mm. Sunday if you if you actually get into football, and so I've just pretty much given up on it. I'll I'll watch I'll watch a giant game here or there, but not uh, not too deep. I um, did the same thing as Tom did with his parents, which was I played some tennis today. Wow, not not much of a tennis player, but I'm I'm uh, I'm getting there. I ha- I can't figure out the backhand, can't figure that out, can't figure mm. out how to aim. But um, the cardio is good, and uh, I've got some general athleticism. So we're trying, we're trying to figure it out. My, my like girlfriend that. played in high school, so she's better than me. 
And so oh. it's, it's it's something to aspire to. It's one of those situations. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I my college girlfriend, oh, Jess, uh, was a golfer and used to embarrass me at this party. And speaking of, big baby David, how are you? <laughs> I'm well. I went golfing a couple weeks ago. Uh, now I'm just oh. waiting on if I have COVID, I guess. But um yeah i think this coming week i might take a vacation and uh just not do work sorry okay update this is your notice jake yeah, yeah. also no, on fine. my screen uh tom's box is above jake's box so i don't know Ooh. do we all have a different box arrangement that's kind of on my mind right now but i got yeah, tom's upper left for me and i'm next to him on the right followed by greg and then bbd's bottom left jake's on the Ooh. bottom of mine Oh my God! Jigs on the bottom of mine. I got Kenny up top. I'm top right. Tom, Greg, Jake bottom. Wait, this is this I, is a so video. Th- I can't see any of BBD. You. I got <laughs> I got the, I got the same as you, BBD. Except me and you are switched. Shit. Jeez, bottom box, Jake. That'll uh, that'll take some wind out of your sails. Well, golf golf chat. I'm glad you guys are doing well. And I guess it's the off season. It's the time to be doing that. If we're talking about golf, I want to throw in that I went golfing with Greg a few weeks ago. We haven't potted since then, but I did. I did get a birdie, which, like Tom, like wow. I could probably count on one hand how many birdies I've gotten in my life, and I got one two weeks ago, three weeks ago. No, I don't think so. Four weeks ago, <laughs> um, two months ago. No, I don't think you got a birdie. I don't remember that. <laughs> uh, well, all right. This no, is he tough, did. Then. He did get a birdie. Sorry, everybody. We also saw a fox. It was a very animal-driven game. Birds and it's foxes. Kind of nuts when you see a fox in public. You're like, what? Yeah. It was like, following yeah. us around for a while, and we couldn't figure out what it was. We thought it might yeah. be just something. So it was like the first hole, and we had like hit it toward the green, and then the people on the tee box or the next hole were like, while we were about to shoot, we were like, hey, what's that? And pointed, and we turned around, and there was like a fox like 20 feet away from us and we're like oh i think i think it's a fox it's weird <laughs> should we be scared <laughs> i don't know i came across the fox video on twitter today that kind of freaked me out just somebody like had a fox in their house and they're like petting sure. it don't in this one this don't one do was that. very friendly it followed us for like four holes kenny and i also saw a bear That's the other true. last weekend where so we were playing golf we were like we're on the first hole we were like right (laughs) off you guys are playing golf again no no we were driving at our brother's (laughs) house i was gonna tell the same exact story and say that there was a bear there but we are we were driving to our brother's house and there was just a bear running across the street black bear yeah black bear kenny thought it was big i didn't think it was big i thought it was big for a black bear because you guys know that black bears aren't as big as like grizzly bears right this is common knowledge. <laughs> Who are you talking to? Yeah, we know our bears. This <laughs> is bears. This is a bears. This is a bears podcast. Um, okay, so we're Giants golfing and animals. Side. I guess we could talk a little bit, Nick, while I have you guys here. Uh, I I think <laughs> the first thing I I want to chip off the old block. What is uh, R.J. Barrett? Uh, they announced the all rookie teams, and. I don't know. In my head, I, I hadn't deep dove into it, but I was assuming R.J. Barrett was maybe a fringe first-team guy or, you know, at least a definite 
like maybe one of the better players on the second team, he's not selected to one of the teams. And there's a moment of like, wow, the Knicks must really stink. Uh, and then you get into the numbers a little bit, and we looked at some of the names, and the one that jumped out to me, and I again, like I don't want to be rude to this guy because he just did his job, but Terrence Davis on the Raptors had pretty tough numbers. I mean, it, it, technically he was a more efficient player, but in a much, much smaller role for the Toronto Raptors. So I don't know. I kind of I posted on Twitter almost this like, anti-New York thing, which maybe was a little too far, but um, I do think there's a little anti-New York bias that comes out. That we Some recent MLB things, Judge not getting MVP, Andujar Rookie of the Year. There's some other things tied to that, but R.J. Barrett getting 10 first-team votes and not making the second team, like, that just sucks. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I Should I not be worried about this at all? Is it just bad for his psyche? Should he be pissed off? I don't know. I'm kind of I mean, go ahead, Tom. I think it's it's good that RJ Barrett has like kind of now he'll have this sort of like chip on his shoulder. I think he's probably gone his entire career being a front runner, right? He was one of the he may have been like the top. Recruit. He was number one. Yeah, when he went to Duke, he was number one. I think his whole life he's just kind of been like told how great he is, and and you know he he did struggle his his rookie year. I do think he should have certainly made one of these all rookie teams. You know, looking. I think if you if you think of it like this, if R.J. Barrett and Terrence Davis swapped roles, and Greg, maybe you even brought this up originally, but uh, you know, maybe R.J. wouldn't have been as successful as Terrence Davis was for the Raptors. He had to be kind of a three and D type of player. But if you put Terrence Davis in R.J. Barrett's role in New York with that kind of usage and that kind of offensive burden on Terrence Davis's shoulders, it would have been a disaster. Like it, you know, it's just it goes. It speaks to how different these guys are as players, so it's kind of difficult to compare them. But uh, it depends on what you value more. Is it a, is it like a solid role player, or is it a guy who's being asked to like carry a, a serious offensive load? And uh, I mean, I mean, to me, the maybe it's some New York bias coming in, but like I really think R.J. Barrett's role and therefore like his his position should have been considered more strongly on on one of these all rookie teams. Yeah, I mean, our, our Terrence Davis is averaging 16.8 minutes per game. That's that's tough. It's a tough second teamer. Right, so like I, the argument is, oh, his his play actually like led to winning basketball, but you just look at what he was surrounded by and those wins could have very well come without him entirely, you know, like how necessary was Terrence Davis to that team versus RJ Barrett who was you know, at times the first option for this next team that was granted very bad, but I, you know, in the past, I feel like statistics have been rewarded uh, more strongly for these rookies. And, and in this case, they were kind of ignored. Yeah. Have analytics gone too far when, when counting stats don't matter anymore? I don't know. Maybe. No, that's a good question. And, and um. I'm sorry, Ken. I'm I'm looking at the voting right now, and just so if if this helps, I mean, John Morant, um, you know, a hundred percent first team votes. Uh, even like in this, maybe this just gets into NBA writers kind of being dumb. Like Kendrick Nunn was left off one ballot for the All Rookie Team. Uh, Brandon Clark was left off five. Zion, <laughs> he got two second team votes, and then a couple 
a few people just straight left him off their ballot. So maybe I don't know the history of this well enough, and there's some some nuance to the award, but I I don't know, man. There's some funny business when you look at the voting here. It just it just doesn't add up. So the Zion thing is something I was going to jump on uh, because like Zion played in 24 games. And, you know, R.J. Parrott played in 56. So, like, Zion didn't even qualify for any, like, like, scoring or anything like that for a season. And it's a little offensive that uh, he, he got put on, on the first team. Um, his team was also 11-13 and 13 in the 24 games that he played, which, like, isn't great. So, like, I understand he put up big numbers, but he didn't qualify for a lot of for any like postseason like rewards for for scoring or assists or you know, percentages so weird that that he was put on a team i mean you also hate zion yeah that's true but he was like, really really good and he's like the best player well that's and i think rookie. that's but he played but he played less than half the games yeah but of the season yeah but who cares like if no no one who qualified for all NBA played half the games this season. That's true. But also Terrence Davis is making this team, so we're we're, yeah, we're that's what I'm, a lot of options going in. I mean I'm I'm saying that there's <laughs> there's two points here. One is that like some of these players aren't as good as RJ Barrett. Like how many of the, the of the players listed would you trade straight up for RJ Barrett? Like Zion and John ja Morant are like possible. Like I don't know. Well, that. that's a great that's a great question, Kenny, because I've seen some talk on Twitter recently about would you rather have R.J. Barrett or Tyler Hero, who we've seen kind of showing out for the Miami Heat. He's just been kind of like their their sixth sixth man off the bench and like a scoring punch. And I mean, I don't know if you guys think that's a ridiculous question or not, but it's been genuinely discussed on the internet recently so anyone have any opinions on that on on hero versus versus barrett i mean hero was really good yesterday so recency bias like i understand why people would ask that question i don't don't know it's a little early you know rj barrett was the leading scorer on the duke same duke team that zion williamson played on just so everybody (laughs) knows that so you know and i I've been very high on on uh, RJ since uh, the season ended, possibly because I don't have to watch him anymore, or the Knicks generally. <clears throat> so I'm taking RJ. Like I'm taking RJ over pretty much anyone on the first or second team, except for John, probably Zion, and like a- another guy on the team, Eric Pascal. I'm a big Villanova guy and a big fan, and he had a great season. But he was also on a Warriors team that was absolutely terrible, and he wasn't even the best player the second best player on that team yeah eric pascal gets interesting too he beat out tyler hero by one vote uh to be the difference from the first team and the second team and i think like again that's where i I wonder how the voting truly went on this because tyler hero is a nice ball player man uh you know he plays an important role on a really good team and like uh i don't know i i understand the hero rj barrett discussion um, I still think Barrett has a much higher ceiling, but Hero's a ball player. Um, so I, I think it's kind of a fair discussion, but um, yeah, Eric Pas- Pascal, no no offense, Ken, and he's, he, he's not the problem here. I think Hero should be on the first team above him. And, and we haven't even talked Kobe White and, and P.J. Washington, who are the two guys R.J. Barrett has more 
first place votes in and Rui Hachimura, who is uh, technically the lowest vote getter that's on one of these teams. So I don't know, moving around a little bit, BBD, what, what have you got? Yeah. The voting's weird. Like you said, I just don't get how the math really works. I was kind of on the, he got 10 or 10 first team votes, but also I guess PJ Washington got eight. So maybe that argument doesn't carry as much weight as I thought when the results first came out and I was mad. I don't know. RJ should definitely be on one of the teams. You just look at the numbers and did he have the most efficient season? No, but again, like we've been saying, just the role he had within the offense is much more than, than Terrence Davis's or even here uh, Tyler Harrow's like, I don't know. As far as RJ versus here, I think that is like a worthwhile conversation. I think at this point I'd still go with RJ, but, but Harrow has been really, really good. So. Circle it just it makes you wonder. It just kind of makes you wonder, like what the voters were valuing when you know we we talked about Terrence Davis's case was like his role. He played very well, and it led to some some winning basketball. But for some of these other guys, we mentioned Pascal, Kobe White, PJ Washington, Rui Hachimura. Like those teams were either worse or just like barely better than the Knicks. Um, so you can't really make that argument. For those guys, right? Like those guys weren't their play wasn't leading to winning basketball either. So then it kind of does just come down to the statistics. And in those cases, it's just like, yeah, RJ Barrett's field goal percentage was worse. But I mean, is that kind of the the sole determining factor of how we're voting? Is just is just straight up field goal percentage? Because like RJ, just in terms of his versatility, I know there were some stats going around that he was like one of the only guys who was top five in his rookie class in points, rebounds, assists, and steals, I think it was. Um, so he just had a very versatile season. He kind of had he had to do it all for this Knicks team. And, and, you know, he stepped up to a degree enough that he probably belongs to one of these teams. He beat the Houston Rockets. Hmm. That's something. Uh, the other thing I wanted to kind of say was this doesn't matter at all. Just doesn't matter. Uh, former Knicks who have been on either first team or second team include Billy Hernan Gomez, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., Landry, um, Landry Fields. I mean, that's going way back. Langston Galloway. Langston Galloway. Yeah, wow. Langston Galloway. And like, it doesn't matter that much. Like, Rookie of the Year is something that matters more. And even that, like, Mark Michael Carter Williams was Rookie of the Year. Cool. Yeah. So are but, you saying you think RJ Barrett should have been rookie of the year? That's what we should be talking about, right? Yeah, yes. we should we should be talking about the fact that RJ wasn't rookie of the year because that one matters more than all rookie teams. All right. I'd rather have RJ than Michael Carter Williams. Yeah. Right now, yeah. yeah. For sure. Huge. And I, I think going back to something Kenny kind of said before, the the Zion part of it. Like, yes, I get what you're saying, Ken, but you know Zion's gonna be on this team. And because again, it's one of these awards all rookie team. Like there is no definition, and that's part of the problem. But if you're gonna have, you know, and Zion was gonna be on this team, like I just feel there were so many voters that handed in their ballot for say all for the second team, and were like, well, RJ's gonna get in. Let me throw my guy Hachimura vote or <laughs> Matisse Tybel or whoever it was. And again, it also spins into that other argument. What? 
what should this rookie team actually be? It's a mix of performance and the story. Like, that's why Zion's on the first team. And I don't know. I, I think if you're the NBA, this is almost a bad look. Like, R.J. Barrett can still have a really nice future in this league. No offense to Terrence Davis. Maybe he does. But, uh, I mean, if you're trying to promote stars and potential stars and put them out there, never mind the fact that I think he had a more impactful rookie season, R.J. Barrett should be on this on the second team. And I think that going along with what you're saying is the story does matter because I think uh, RJ coming in was a number three pick. I think there was a lot of expectations on him and he probably was around where you'd expect him to be. Whereas some of the guys that made this team far exceeded what people were expecting from them, like Eric Pascal in particular, like that was a team that was supposed to be a good team. All of their players are injured. Um, so he gets a lot more minutes and he puts up some numbers. Is he a better player than RJ Barrett? No. He's not, but he had a very nice season. I think some voters wanted to reward him for you know exceeding expectations and showing them something. Yeah, and it is kind of funny just looking at the the first team. You have Kendrick Nunn, and then on the second team you have Tyler Hero. They play on the same team, and and Nunn can like barely get any minutes. And when he has been on the court in these playoffs, he's been pretty. Uh, inconsequential whereas hero's been kind of a stud so yeah like Kenny said like this stuff doesn't actually matter that much you know maybe w one of the guys you'd most want to have from this class is michael porter jr and he's like towards the very bottom of other players receiving votes so um you know who, who knows like it, <laughs> i don't know that they actually use like the all rookie teams to promote the league in any sort of way so it, at the end of the day it's probably it's just something to talk about on a podcast <laughs> yeah. yeah and just to say they did this for us Kendrick Nunn got injured in the bubble, so Dragic took his starting spot. Mm -hmm. And then he came back from his injury in the middle of the playoffs, and he hasn't really gotten back into the rotation. It's because so Dragic was letting it up for a while. That's why Kendrick Nunn Still was first team, because he started every game he played this season in the regular season. I guess and basically. Now he doesn't play at all. For a better team. As far as the RJ stuff, I don't know. I think it all for us just comes down to the Knicks have like no bright spots besides him. So it would just be nice Mitchell. for that to be recognized. You got Mitchell. Yeah. yeah. Well, I said almost. The other thing is if <laughs> if all of us filled out like a filled out our first team and second team, none of us would have known that Terrence Davis was a rookie and we definitely wouldn't have just scrolled through his stats and been like, yep, I'll put him on the team. <laughs> it doesn't pass the eye test. Yeah. You put the rookie just like stat leaders on a team or on the, on a list in front of me. Yeah. That's and how, like that's Terrence how Davis is exactly what you're saying. It just would not have stood out. And He's just so on a good team, but he plays a very, very small role on a good team because I watched them during the playoffs and still didn't know he existed. <laughs> Not that I've been like the best and most attentive basketball fan, but remember when they, when they first came out, Jake texted, I'm over two on a uh, position and team that he's on. It's like, yeah, I same. Know. I, I mean, I could, have named, up. I could have named a lot of Raptors before I got to Terrence Davis. Um, and I, again, you know, I, I don't watch as much Raptor basketball as I would have liked this year, but um, I, I think it, the first, the case that I can't get past is where Tom started. Is if you if they traded roles, like what do you guys think happened? I think Terrence Davis has a lot worse numbers than R.J. Barrett, and I think 
RJ Barrett would have a lot better numbers than Terrence Davis. Um, and I don't know. That's it's kind of where it starts and stops for me. Yeah, um, and I feel like he's a guy that's that's filling a role. He's not. Tom said this earlier, but he's not expected to do any of the stuff that RJ Barrett's doing. And you know, to some extent, RJ Barrett's not expected to do some of the stuff that Terrence Davis does. So like, they're they're different players. And I I don't think this is an indication that Terrence Davis is a better player than RJ Barrett. And that's also kind of where the the Barrett Harrow debate is is valid because you can do some some stuff where like would RJ do the same thing in Harrow's role? Probably. Probably put up the same numbers. Harrow might be able to do better numbers than RJ in his role. Yeah, he's like one of the few guys where it's like, yeah, it's it's possible he could. We can talk about it. But I don't know. Again, we we have stumbled into this doesn't matter, but it's just mm. we're hot about it still. Yeah. I mean, Jake, you probably should have watched a little bit more Raptors basketball to get a, a better look at Fred Van Vliet. Ooh, what they call a seggy in the biz. That was and, uh, very blatant and not that smooth, but I figured that was like, good. we probably, we that probably was, talked enough about all rookie. That was smooth and blatant. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Fred Van Vliet has been a popular one uh, in Nickstown, and I, I guess we could combine it a little bit with Chris Paul. We've talked an odd amount of Chris Paul for a Knicks podcast, but uh, Fred Van Vliet is the sexy conversation. He... He had another strong playoffs, man. I mean, he is tough. He's he's built like a, a shit house, for lack of a better term. And uh, I, I don't know. He's he's been great. He's hitting free agency, and it it's just entered this conversation of you know, are the Knicks going to throw money at him? Will his performance meet the level of what the Knicks would throw at him? Um, and it's just a really tricky conversation. I mean, a guy that. Uh, I believe was undrafted out of Wichita State. We took Ron Baker, reminder. Um, and he's Playing kind of early. had this, uh, a bit of a meteoric rise in Toronto, which is generally considered one of the you know best organizations to play in, where he's gone from his rookie year, um, averaging eight minutes in 37 games, to this season playing 35 minutes a night, averaging 18 points, six and a half helpers, two steals, uh, you know, he's, he's a really solid, strong ball player, makes shots, makes the right pass, uh, and a sturdy defender. So, uh, with all that buildup, uh, I mean, should we be as Knicks fans, should we be in on the overpay for Red Van Vliet? Cause if we go get him, we know we're going to have to overpay. Huh. I think that's, we, that, that's why we shouldn't do it because, okay. If we're overpaying for Fred Van Fleet, then you know, then we're overpaying for Fred Van Fleet. You know, that's a that's a seventeen point per game score who you're gonna put as your number one option, which is pretty much what we just tried to do with uh, Julius Randle. You're just taking a a guy who you know is a good third option and making him your first option, and we we continuously try that with Tim Hardaway Jr. with Julius Randle. We're gonna try with Fred Van Fleet. It's just it just doesn't work. Third option should be third options. Yeah. And, I mean, I think we've talked about this a lot. Um, I don't know if it's been on the pod, but maybe maybe outside the pod. But I'm okay with, like, a short-term thing. One, maybe two years. If, if you want to overpay him, that's fine. But I don't expect much out of him as the best player on the Knicks team. 
if he's going to be and I and I don't think that he's going to sign a, a two year deal. I think he's going to get uh, money for longer years, but he can't be the best player on your team. Um, and I've heard other people say like the goal is you bring him in, you kind of change the culture a little bit in, and then you hope in two or three years from now, he's the third best player on your team. And then you're a winning team. But I don't know. That's, that's, that's a lot of money. And I feel like, uh, the Knicks have better ways they could spend that money, whether it's taking on salary for, for assets or, or doing something else. But, you know, I don't know about, about a Fred Van Vliet, uh, big money, long-term deal. Yeah, I think that the numbers floating around were like it would be probably four years, and then the number I heard was at twenty-two million per year. Um, and yeah, that's a lot of money. And Kenny, to your point, can that be spent better by trying to take on bad contracts in return for assets? Maybe. Like the you know there aren't a ton of those always available every year, but you know with the cap potentially going down because of coronavirus, like th- there may be a lot of teams kind of hurting and financially and trying to get off bad money. So that's definitely a possibility. I will say before the playoffs started, I went on Locked On Knicks and kind of advocated for Fred Van Vliet uh, to come to New York. And the number I threw out, I think, was like four for, for 20 mil a year. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I like Jake, I didn't watch a ton of Raptors basketball, but I'd, I'd seen the numbers and I know – like I remember seeing him in last year's playoffs. He's a two-way player, which kind of separates him from Randall and Tim Hardaway Jr. Is he does get after it defensively. He doesn't get moved around very easily. Um, so that like he wouldn't be a liability on that end, which would be refreshing for one of these big contract guys. Um, and then I guess the other argument would be you bring in a competent point guard, like the first competent point guard the Knicks have had in a long time, and just see how he can make life easier for your R.J. Barrett's, for your Mitchell Robinson's, and even for your Kevin Knox's. And, you know, after watching Fred, uh, in the especially in that Celtics series, I, I definitely had some, some hesitation about bringing him in. Uh, it did seem like he was asked to do too much, even for that Raptors team. And he has some very serious weaknesses, you know, we know he's a good shooter. He's a good shooter off the dribble and as a catch-and-shoot guy, which is nice because that makes him versatile. But he is, and I didn't realize this. I just looked it up. He's statistically the worst finisher in the NBA. Like, what? this is on a Raptors team that's full of shooting and, like, you know, therefore likely has better spacing than the Knicks. And he's still the worst finishing at, in the restricted area in the league. There are 57 players who took as many attempts as Fred Van Vliet in the restricted area last year, and he's dead last at 57th um, in field goal percentage there. 56th, actually, is R.J. Barrett, so there's one for him. But um, And, and it, didn't, it didn't get any better. He was actually worse in the playoffs percentage-wise in the restricted area. So that really worries me because, you know, on this Knicks team, there's just so little shooting. He would just – he'd get swallowed up by defenses as he went into the paint, and that's – that's a problem. That's a problem for someone that you're paying $22 million a year for. Yeah, the Knicks don't have a, a Terrence Davis to spread the floor for him. <laughs> and Good point. To, to respond to two points Tom made, I think um, my point on uh, the the using the cap space for other, other areas, I think this year 
as Tom mentioned, there's going to be a lot of teams hurting for cap space, and I think the Knicks are one of five teams with ample cap space. So, like, the pickings are slim, and if there's going to be a year that the Knicks can do something with their cap space uh, to take on assets, this is going to be the year. Um, my second point is Fred Van Vliet spent a lot of time playing off-ball this year. According to basketball reference, they have him at 56% at shooting guard and 44% at point guard. And I, don't, I mean, I don't know if that, um, you know, affects anything from your vantage point, but uh, I think he's, I know he did a lot of catch and shooting and stuff like that. And I don't know that the Knicks have the same, you know, setup to, to help him succeed in those ways. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be nice to have the flexibility to play him next to someone like Frank and next to RJ and have them be primary ball handlers as well. Um, but then for Fred to also be able to run the show. I, I understand the argument for bringing him in, but you know if that number gets too too ridiculous, then it's like, well, what are we really paying for? We're paying for a guy who's just going to like eke the Knicks win total up towards like 30 wins <laughs> and just hurt their lottery odds. Like it's not like Fred is such a transcendent player that he's going to like really make this team a, a contender and like and give the rookies and the young guys opportunities to play meaningful like almost playoff worthy minutes you know he, the team would still be dreadful with Fred Van Vliet um and you just have to weigh like how much that development the potential for development would be and uh and yeah I, I guess like right now I'm kind of coming down on the side that to, it may not be worth it at this point to bring him in it's a chicken in the egg scenario because you need like good players to attract talent, but like I don't know if Fred Van Vliet's the guy that you want because I don't know if he can stand up with the current personnel on the Knicks and be uh, as talented as he's been in Toronto. That someone that's good is going to be like, hey, I'm going to go play with the Knicks and team up with with Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, that's a good point. Like the yeah. Knicks need a third best player that is as good as Fred Van Vliet, but they also need those. First two players that are better than Fred Van Fleet, which we don't have. And would have a harder time getting if you're paying Fred Van Vliet twenty two yeah. mil a year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's where it ultimately kinda lands. Is like as much as Van Vliet is, is generally a nice player and can contribute to winning basketball, he won a championship one year ago. It's like you're gonna have to overpay him in order to convince him to come to the Knicks in general but also just the way the market is. He's going to command a lot of money from whoever wants him. And just like, is he good enough for that, for what you're going to have to pay him and for the role he's going to have to play? Cause just, we don't have better players than him right now. Probably not, but also like he, he getting a good player is fun and good mm. for like the future. So it's, it's a tough spot. I don't know. Tommy, the, the little guy can shoot a little bit and play some defense. I'm, I'm surprised there's not a little more love on that side of it. No, the, the two-way play is something that I definitely appreciate. And uh, like that definitely – I think that talking about a little guy who can shoot and play defense, if you really want someone who's going to be a serious game changer, then we start talking Chris Paul a little <laughs> bit. Like That's kind of where the, wow. where the conversation goes. Oh, my God, Tom. And that's – guy. Wow. Um, well, well, I mean, you talk about a guy who's actually like a master with the ball, who like can really set up the offense and, and get guys in positions to score. And like no one, there might not be anyone better 
at that than Chris Paul at this point. Like even though he's 35, and yes, he's his contract is uh is double what we're talking about for Fred Van Vliet. Um, I mean, I'm curious to hear what you guys think before I dive in. But uh, you know, if, if we're kind of edging no on Van Vliet because we don't think he is skilled enough to be like that guy, to be that good of a player. Um, where, where do y'all end on Chris Paul? I mean, it all starts at the cost of, of what it would take to get him. I mean, obviously you're interested in Chris Paul after seeing what he just did in the, in the playoffs. He's, he's an amazing player still. Um, but like you said, he makes, he's making 41.3 this season and for the $44.2 million player option the year after. And he's going to be 36 in that last year. But, I mean, that's only two years, which is better than what it would have been last year. I don't know. He still looks like he can ball. I know before this season started, the Heat were trying to trade for him, but they viewed his contract as like the Thunder are going to have to give us something for us to take him. And the Thunder viewed him as like you're going to have to give us something for us to give him to you. So... There, there's going to be that kind of standoff this this off season as well with his contract because it is huge and he is getting older and um, like you just mentioned the cap's going to be lower than expected so that contract is even bigger than it was going to be. But I mean, do we, what's what's the cost? Do we think this is really in play? Like a a, a general because what Greg's saying and I mean Chris Paul winding down his career, you know, we were wondering if he was going to be okay with OKC and they were a pretty good team. I mean, if Chris Paul comes to the Knicks, I mean, I still think they're going to stink. Like, is, is he going to be okay with that? Would, um, uh, before we even get to price tag, like, I, I don't know in my head and I know we could debate this and you talk salary and stuff. I think if we are being honest to get Chris Paul in the Knicks, we would give something up. He's he played great last year. He's going to get MVP votes. I mean, we just talked about spending twenty two mil for four years for Fred Van Vliet, who we we basically all agreed would be a bad player. So um, I, I don't know. Like I, I think we might be joking ourselves if we think like we're not getting assets with Chris Paul. We have to give something up. And then it's is Chris Paul willing to do this in the twilight of his career? He wants to be chasing a ring but he also wants to make 40 mil which might be his other problem yeah i mean i I think they'd have to give something up as well but it's it's just what is that something yeah and for for you jake uh chris paul did get three third place votes one fourth place vote and eight fifth place votes in the nvp voting so that's a fun fact yeah and he made he made second team all nba like that's (laughs) That's really impressive. That's pretty wild for for someone his age. Um, And, you know, the Knicks would definitely have to give something up. Greg's question about the price tag is a good one. I I can't speak to whether Chris Paul would even be, like, would be willing or would want to come to New York for a rebuild. That's that's hard to know. I I would kind of think no because he hasn't really been a part of a lot of, like, hugely successful teams. Even better. He'll opt out, (laughs) right? And we don't have to worry about that second year. Yeah, uh, then it's just one year. Then it's just us giving up assets for one year of Chris hmm. Paul on a really bad team. Yeah. I guess Perfect. a lot comes down to what like what are the Thunder trying are. to do? Because yeah. like their plan coming into this year, I'm pretty sure was to bottom out, but because Chris Paul 
turn out to still be an MVP vote getter. He finished sixth in MVP, like we said. Like, and all a bunch of the young guys they had on the roster really took big steps, maybe in part due to Chris Paul being there. Are they trying to still like be good? Because if so, then why get rid of Chris Paul when he doesn't have that much more time being expensive, like as much as I like thought in my head he still had like three full years or something, but it's it's only two. Like and they were just competitive with him and in large part because of him. Yeah. So are I they think- trying to like still compete? Cause then you're gonna have to give something up in order to like get him. If they're ready I mean, to I- bottom out, then they might not be giving up anything to get rid of him, but May, yeah, then maybe yeah. you can do it. And even in that case, like other teams, I think do want Chris Paul because there's rumors of like the Bucks being in, maybe the Heat are back in on that idea now. Probably not actually, but I don't know. I think OKC is done. Like Billy Donovan's gone, right? And then um, I think the reports that I've read is that they're they're ready to bottom out and um, kind of get whatever assets they can for Chris Paul because. You know, thoughts are this is the highest his value is going to be moving forward. He's had some injury history. This is actually the most games that he's play, has played this last year in a shortened season um, <laughs> since 2015, 2016, when he played 74. So the, la- the last three years, he's played less games than that. He's had some injury history. But the, the point for the Knicks that you made is that he is a player that makes the people around him better. So the extent that he can stay on the floor... Like he was a guy, he's a guy I would love to see playing alongside some of our young players because I think, you know, he'll set them up to succeed and they'll be able to, you know, he's a guy that I I look at as playing the basketball the right way. And I think he can, you know, pass that off to some of them. And the other kind of X factor is he's a Leon Rose guy. Um, and, you know, there, there was always rumors about, you know, the banana boat crew ending up in New York at some point. And like, so I don't, from, from a, non-basketball standpoint i don't think he'll have any issue with with going to new york and you know at some some point it doesn't really matter because he's under contract and he has 44 million dollars on that option so like is he just gonna like give that up to to go chase a ring i i don't know i don't know the answer to that but i think that's a lot of reasons to play a basketball game even if it's kind of like an inconsequential one but uh no I'm, i'm with you kenny and i will say to answer jake's initial question about whether this is feasible. Um, I was just looking at some of the the reporting that's been done, and um, Scoop B. If you guys are familiar with him, Scoop Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. He's like a uh, a pretty big Twitter personality. He reported that the Knicks have an offer lined up, and then our boy Jonathan Macri confirmed that with some of his sources and said that two players that are in talks um, are Julius Randle and Kevin Knox to send over for Chris Paul. I'm, I don't, he doesn't say that that's all. And I'd be surprised if that were the extent of the offer, but he said those are two players that are involved in internal discussions as potential players going to, uh, to OKC. Um, I mean, I, I feel like Greg asked like, what's the price tag going to be to, to actually acquire Chris Paul. And if it is like Julius Randall, Kevin Knox, I'll take it. And I mean, and I would, if it's just I, the guys we don't like, then yeah, sure, right? you can have them. I'll trade Julius Randall, Julius Randall, Kevin Knox for anything at all. Doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, but then what if you had to add like a, a pick or like a, the Mavericks pick next year or something? Like, I'm sure you'd have to sweeten the pot with something. And like, are picks just off limits 
for I, you guys when it comes to Chris Paul? Like, is this I mean, a team for, that, should, that should be so focused on on building with youth that that, that shouldn't even be on the table? For think, me, Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett, and any, any unprotected picks and the seven pick are probably off the table. I mean, the, the 27 pick and, and a protect, like a lottery protected pick, those I'd keep on the table. Yeah. And, you know, maybe one of Knox and Frank and then throw in DSJ if you want, because I don't care. <laughs> Whatever they would need for to make salaries work, which would mean, which kind of means Randall has to be included. Sorry, OKC. Um, and yeah, no Mitch, RJ. I guess just, just none of like the Knicks own picks is... Yeah, kind of where I mean, the line the, would be because all the other picks they own are like late first moving forward. The yeah. Mavericks picks will never be more valuable than they are right now. I don't think. Just exactly, that's, that's just so fucking good. That's what I was gonna say. When we got those Maverick picks, they sounded better than they do right now after after seeing what we saw. Yeah, but then Chris Stapps just got injured, so like. Yeah, but Chris I Stapps. Know, I don't know how. Chris Stapps doesn't even matter. Donch is just so good. <laughs> Yeah. No, but I'm I'm saying that that could still be that could still be like a 15-16 range pick, and particularly depending on you know Porzingis's health. No. By the way, I heard some Chris Paul to Dallas rumors, and I actually really like that team. That would be so much fun. But it's the Knicks podcast. Not for us. Um, <laughs> no, so that would not be good for us at all. <laughs> quick crazy world jump. Uh, let's say it happens. It's Randall Knox in a pick, something like that. Who knows? Um, we keep the main players. I mean, does does that bring in, like, do you think then we'd be adding another player in free agency? Does that bring in a DeMar DeRozan? Does that, like, I, I'm trying to look and... Bring God, in Gallo. Man. Team him up with Chris Paul again. Back on Evan, the Knicks. Evan Fournier? I, I don't know. Like, what, what does that then make the plan? Because it would be Chris Paul, Barrett, Mitch... And then we're shooting blanks. We still believe in Frank, hopefully doing something defensively in corner threes. Something with a seven pick. Seven yeah. pick. Eight, eight picks, eight. sorry. Even well, hopefully they do well with the seventh pick. I, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess assuming the trade would in- include both like Randall and Knox and if they aren't picking up any of their like option guys, basically. I guess in theory it is someone in the, that would can play like the four spot, which is kind of funny because last year the big criticism the big criticism of the Knicks was that they signed a bunch of power forwards and that would kind of be the spot that makes sense to fill. So then you get Marcus into Morris. like you get into bringing back Marcus Morris, getting yeah. Gallo, going all in for Bertans if you want to overpay him instead of Van Vliet, I guess. <laughs> um, or Mello, I guess, because everyone wants yes. him to want to come back to New York, which oh my I think God. he's open another, to, but like, I don't another know. Another Leon Rose guy. Another Leon oh Rose guy, God. Chris Paul, best friend, banana boat stuff. That's like it. the first place my mind goes when you say what would be the next move after bringing in Chris Paul for that package. But then you get I mean, into a weird thing. Like, like, is Mello trying to like go back to being... Like what he was while he was here, because then it's like, all right, Mel, you're good if you want to do the same thing you did in Portland. That would be pretty sweet. But if you're trying to like go back to being the man, we know that doesn't work anymore. As much as I like you, like is Chris Paul and just a bunch of young guys not? Like, is that so? 
uh, not what Chris Paul wants to do, that that's not even an option. Because, you know, it, it would start to feel like classic Knicks trying to fast-track a rebuild without laying a foundation. And, you know, it, the benefit of bringing in Chris Paul is, like we said, like hoping that he's able to help develop these young offensive player, like young players. Um, I don't think that the benefit is really attracting a second aging star. That doesn't, yeah. that doesn't sound not, so good. That to part me. of it, I don't consider a benefit, but I think that is like a risk you'd be getting not a star, but just like another vet on the team capable of starting. Is that the best phrasing for it? Like we then, still need, we still need bodies. Yeah. I, I guess, yeah. I guess that's the thing. Like Tom, I, yeah. I know you're saying developing the young guys, but you still got like a roster to fill out. In theory, one of these other guys you're bringing in also would help with the other guys, which again is kind of an issue that like some <laughs> people might have with bringing Mello back. But or doing what we did last year. Yeah, yeah, but doing I, that. And I think that Chris Paul, like I said, like if it's just Chris Paul and the the young guys, I think that's good for the Knicks' development, and I think it's terrible for Chris Paul. That is also what I think Chris Paul thought this year was going to be, just him with a bunch of young guys. And they were, what, the five seed in the West? Is that what they ended up as? Like, it still ended up good. If you're getting Chris Paul, no matter what, the goal for the season is now playoffs, I think, whether you like that organizationally or not. Just Chris Paul is trying to go to the playoffs. That's what he's doing. So, I don't know. Kind of a different point. I mean... Guys, I don't want to read too much into it, but I have to believe Leon Rose has said, Chris, you're coming to New York. Mello's coming with. We're trading the seven pick. Like, does that just not feel Nixie? I don't think they're going to trade the seventh pick. Okay. I think Maybe I went like, too far there. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think they're going to they're gonna mortgage the future at this point because they've done it so many times in the past. And, like, if they did that, like, people would revolt. And I, I think Leon Rose so far has shown himself to be smarter than that just by, like, hiring a development team. He shows that he's not an idiot, whereas prior Knicks front offices just had no development team. So that's something. The, the, the Knicks have the eighth pick, right? Yeah, yeah pick, eighth pick. Eighth pick. Yeah, I don't think they would be giving away the eighth pick or packaging it for another star or something. I think I think maybe they'd be open to a move down or something with it. But um, yeah, I'm not too worried about. I, I, it seems like Leon Rose. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt until he's shown he shouldn't have it, which can happen very quickly because it happens very quickly, very quickly with people running the next all the time. But. I'll believe he's not trying to mortgage the future entirely just to bring in however old Chris Paul is mm. or a friend yeah. for him. I mean, LeBron, LeBron's a free agent after next season. He can opt out. So then you have Chris Paul and LeBron and Melo. Then Dwayne Wade comes out of retirement. Does Mo Harkless resign for ten and a half mil? Hopefully, um, that'd be a bummer. Golly, can we give him more trying to get off Paul or? George's contract? Ooh, Paul George! Wow, I can't. No, I won't. I won't. Um, boys, I don't know. I I think I think the bigger point, the Knicks have to do something at point guard. Like, 
you know, I got excited about Alfred Payton this year. And that's that's unacceptable um, as just from a fandom perspective. So I don't know. It doesn't feel like the point guard answer is there at the eight pick. It feels like this has been something we've been saying for years as an organization that it could potentially help the team. I was on a Goran Dragic thing. I think he's played himself out of a potential Knicks signing. Or maybe he's played himself into a Knicks signing if it's if it's too much money. I don't know. But I need I need something at point guard, guys, because it's it just we need a better brand of basketball and it starts there. Yeah, I think no matter what they this offseason they have to bring in somebody who can start at point. I don't think that's going to be whoever the eighth pick is just because I just don't know who it would be. They're not getting it with that pick. They have to sign somebody. I'd rather it not be bringing back Alfred Payton to start. If you want to bring him back in general, fine, whatever. But um, yeah, even if they pick a point guard, I think you still have to sign somebody uh, that can start. I know you guys hate me when I do this, but uh, Mm. I saw some tweet or a report that for the time being, obviously there's a lot more to be determined and a lot of roster moves to happen, but two to this point, they have uh, Frank penciled in as the point guard. Pencil, not pen. I mean, Kenny, you're one of the biggest Frank fans I know. Do you like that? Um, no. Like, no. I think at this, yes. I think. I mean, <laughs> I I would still like to see Frank develop as a guy who can play the point, but I think uh, he's hit the point where he has to play off the ball, and you know, playing alongside a guy like Chris Paul. I think would would help him develop to the point where maybe in the future he could be a point guard. But I think right now he just needs to get out there and, and get reps. And I don't think uh, he's he's ready to get reps as a point guard every day and every night. He didn't learn enough from Alfred Payton. <laughs> or Jarrett Jack or Ramon maybe, Sessions. Maybe he learned too much from them. I don't know. Maybe, you know, here's McLovin, the, the organ donor from from Hawaii. Um, and Tom will tell you more about Tyrese Halliburton at that eight pick if you want it. But, um, boys, I think we talked a lot of Knicks. Um, Too much. And it was time. We got some golf, some Knicks, some animals even at the start. So a lot of animals. It's good catching up with you boys. Um, we'll see if there's any other Nick Nick's news. Maybe that Chris Paul trade will drop. Still want to do some player grades. Say I'm going to organize that, get lost the next day, and totally forget it. Um, yeah, I'd rather not. Okay. So Skip we'll, to the uh, draft. We'll, we'll look into that. Um, Tom Piccolo, Big Baby David, Kenny Poon, Greg Poon. Any closing thoughts? Any final notes? Go Knicks. We'll, we'll be talking some prospect stuff soon, I'm sure. Oh, I like that. Draft got pushed back, back, so we got, got that much back. more time to look into it. I think tentatively penciled in for the day before Greg's birthday. So wow. it'll be a nice gift for him, maybe. Wow. Again, pencil, because this is all like they they keep pushing everything back further. Or and further. it's a really mean prank for your birthday. It's possible. Possible. It's one of the best pranks we pull, man. <laughs> this is funny <laughs> stuff. All right. Let's go, Nick. Thanks, everybody. Bang. Stay.
Hey everybody, it's Talking Jake here, and I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss, The Deal. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, executives, Maria Sharapova, Strahan, Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into those worlds of sports, media, and entertainment. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.